Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. Hey everyone, today's episode is such a treat. I'm talking to Don Branzuela from HD Liquid Catering, and he is one of the true OGs of the mobile bar world. He has so much information to share. We had an amazing conversation. It lasted almost two hours. So today's episode is actually the first in a two-part series. You'll have to come back next week for part two, but there is so much packed into even just this one episode. I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. Here it is. So how, how are you doing? How's everything? It's okay. I mean, yeah. we just went back into phase two. And so I don't know. I don't know what our August events are going to look like, but whatever. Events will always bounce back. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we're hoping because it's, we're, we're like, we're, I'm not saying we're dying, but man, we could certainly, um, we could certainly definitely use more. Um, I feel like I'm stuck. Yeah. Like all the stuff I want to do, I don't know if I can. And so just moving forward on everything. And so, yeah. Well, the one thing that I know is going to be fine is you, Don, because you, not only are you an OG, <laughs> but you are, you hustle on a whole different level. I was literally just talking to my husband because he's like, you have a podcast tonight. I was like, yeah, I open up one night a week just in case right. people have, you know, like our industry kind of night owls anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that by the way, because I saw like your time slots and then I saw the 9 p.m. It's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are used to working at nine o'clock, so it's not a big deal. And, and right. we have, I have some people in like South Africa, I have some people in Australia. And so this kind of just gives a nice middle ground. And, uh, and I was, and he's like, who is this guy? And I was like, oh, this is an OG. Uh, like this is a big get for this podcast. And no, no. I just love the way your brain works, Don. Like well, the way that you approach this industry and everything that you've done, and like no one else is doing the things that you do. And I, I just love that. So if anybody can tackle COVID and turn it to their own advantage, I know it's you. Well, we'll hope so. We'll hope so. Because it's like a different world right now. I feel like we've, um, our competitors are catching up and then we're kind of playing in a different, a different, uh, arena as far as like what works, <laughs> like the big scale is not. So we have to start thinking small and we have to almost start over again is my, that's our mentality right now is how do we start over? How do we get down to the basics and everything? But enough, enough of that. It's like, what if, um, let me know what you want to talk about today because I have no idea. I don't know what people are <laughs> Just this. You've heard that maybe you haven't about. heard the it's podcast. Like, but I literally just, I love just talking to people about whatever it is that lights them up. Typically, it's like, I'm really, like, people are like, I'm really passionate about this. I'm like, let's talk about that because I don't care what we talk about. But it's all just fun. It's all just fun and all of it's applicable. I mean, you've owned a mobile bar. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about your very first business card, Don. Tell me oh. what your very first <laughs> business card said because I love it. Oh, it's like if you don't need a darn fine bartender at this very moment and then you flip it over, it's like this card will work. This card will help you uh, like uh, get that piece of basil out of your front teeth. It caught a lot of attention. It was, it was good. But to me, that is like, we talked a couple episodes ago about authentic voice 
And people had a really hard time kind of finding their authentic voice because a lot of times in this industry, people will just try and be like all the other people that are doing the thing that they're doing. And they just figure, well, that's working for them. Therefore it works. And I should make it work for me. Right? Yeah. But what you did from the very first moment when you made those first business cards, you decided you weren't going to do at all what other people were doing. And you were just you. And that obviously 20 years later. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) That's so bad of me because it doesn't feel like 20 years. I mean, I feel like I'm still in the same spot. I still feel like I think the only difference is I have more people lifting stuff for me than... (laughs) (laughs) Which is important because the older you get, the harder it gets to lift all that stuff. So I think that's the only thing. I feel like I can do events now with just my finger. Kind of like, hey, I need you to put that over there and you go do that over there. (laughs) (laughs) And then I go home much earlier on Saturdays. Totally. But that's, that's, I mean, I think it's everyone's dream after 20 years. If I'm still having to stay until 12 p.m. lugging shit out of an event, then I'm doing something wrong. But <laughs> no, but you know what? So I, I don't know if you're recording already. You know, I am. Okay. So I thought about that post you put on your Facebook today about the hustle and then about kind of like taking time for yourself. And then, yeah. and then I thought about that tonight before, um, before coming on. And then it's like as much I'm I'm the same way as you where I should make more time for myself but then this is uh, this is what I love doing. Right. Like I can't it's not it doesn't feel like I'm working. It not doesn't a day. feel like and then the one only thing I could say is like there's never been anybody more successful than me that ever told me to slow down. Like nobody has ever it's always somebody that's just kind of sitting on the sideline watching what you're doing working yeah. the 9 to 5 saying hey you know what you should really relax you should be working too hard and yeah. then it's like but when i talk to other business owners like that are doing it even on a not this business but other businesses right. rental companies big catering companies and i tell them all the stuff that they're you know, doing and then they're all like oh well, that's cute i tell them about how much you know like our revenue and everything and they're like oh well you'll get here someday <laughs> so, which makes me like even more cuz you know cuz if you talk to people that are solopreneurs and everything they're getting, it's always impressive like what you do like the numbers you do but they're always just relative it's right like, and so i was just thinking about that like don't ever don't ever stop and think that hey you know what? It's like this is my this is my me time like this is my you know it's like i think the best thing about it is we have the choice to, to yes. stop when we want to and to take off and so i feel like that's the one thing that nobody else not that many people have oh 100% you know, so that's always been my biggest thing it's like look i work because i choose to do this mm-hmm. and then if I decide I'm going to leave for six weeks, then I'm going to choose to do that too. Absolutely. Or I choose not to return my emails and (laughs) (laughs) I choose to do that a lot, quite frankly. Right. Right. I choose to hire someone to do my emails for me. So it works out. Hey, I'm very proud of you. You know what? When you said that, like, you know, when you put up with your bookkeeping or whatever it is that you, you, you handed it off to, let me tell you what, that, that in itself is almost like you want more of that feeling because like the more people take away from you, and then now you're just kind of like more of an overseer. Oh, yeah. that's like the best feeling. Yeah. So I hired a coach, a very expensive coach that yeah. is kind of a few steps ahead of me. Like she's already doing like, I don't know, $20,000 months, but like not, I'm not in events, but just coaching. Mm-hmm. And I basically was like, this is what I've got going on. And I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. And, and she really helped me kind of figure out like, where's your zone of genius? Like where are you adding the most amount, of it, most amount of value? And what are you doing that other people can do? Like probably even better than you. And that was a really hard exercise for me because as a solopreneur, we just do all the things, right? Yep. Like we mm-hmm. just 
kind of start doing all the things. We just keep doing the things. And then suddenly you're like, no one can do it. Like I can do it. And so three years into Bar Magnolia and I'm like dying over here because I've started mobile Bev Pros. I now do Swig, all these other things. And uh, I made a list and I went through it with her. And she's like, a VA can do that. A VA can do that. A VA, a bookkeeper can do that. And I was like, okay. And so I hired a bookkeeper. That was the easy part. But it was hard for me because I actually have the skill set necessary for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, no one's going to make sense of my books because it's a mess. It's a mess. Restaurants and like things like what we do, there's a lot of in and out and whatever. I was being stupid. Obviously, someone can do it better than me. And so I did. I hired a bookkeeper and I just hired a VA to help with Mobile Bev Pros. She's amazing. She's better than me at pretty much everything I was doing. So, <laughs> so there's a book because I was like the, where you were probably in 2014. Okay. Uh, I was still working on my own before we did HD. And I went to this thing called Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. So it's this big social media conference, everybody's Facebook, Twitter, you know, all this. Right. And then I went to this one like room and then the guy's title was like, I know what, procrastinate on purpose and how to multiply your time. And then it kind of like spoke to me. I'm like, okay. And the guy's name was Rory Vaden. Okay. And basically he talked the same thing, but he put it this way. It's like, Hey, you know what? So how much would you like, if you t- ask yourself, like, how much do you make per hour? How much, if you put your business, like what's your, how much would you give yourself hourly? Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'd pay myself $50 an hour, right? hundred dollars an hour. It's like, okay, well then, you know what? It's like, then you need to find all the other things that you paying other people $10 an hour for, then you need to find them to do it. <laughs> and he basically right. talked about, Hey, how do you find, how do you make an extra 500 hours in a year? Right. So find something that takes you like the thing that you hate the most, like bookkeeping. Right. Yep. So that's all he talked about. How many t- hours does that take you a, a month, a week? Right. Four, you know, and then 16 per month times, let's just say in you know, a times 12, it's almost like 175 hours. If you hired somebody and then trained them even just for 20 hours to do it, the next thing you know, you've just literally cleared the books for that many hours in your, in your year to do right. more stuff. And so, I mean, it's the same basic thing, but that's the thing that spoke to me. And I was like, yeah, okay. That, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And, and, it, and I think off. conceptually, it's like, obviously, obviously, but then right. when you're in it, you're it's pride? so easy just to keep going and no. just keep doing it. That was the hardest thing. It seriously is trying to like watching, especially watching somebody struggle at first doing like the small stuff, like, but you almost have to be, you have to be patient and know that, Hey, this is a bigger purpose. And then finally, after that, we just kind of like started hiring more people. And then, and then coming up with systems. And that was like my most, that's like my most fun thing right now. Like in this business is just coming up with systems, like yeah. process and systems. And every time something goes wrong, it's probably going to be like, well, we don't have a system for that. Totally. And, then, and I feel yeah. like everybody here in the office, every time I always say system, they're always like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> God, for every time I say something is like, well, because it isn't. And the right. stuff that's working well, I mean, there's a lot like right now, our biggest thing is decor. Okay. Like uh-huh. It sounds so simple, but it's not because we're always scrambling around before every open house, before every marketing event, before every event, as far as like, what are we going to use to decorate the... Now, normally for everybody, hey, you know what? One or two events, that's cool. You have it, right? But then how do you do it for like 20 events on a Saturday night? Right. And how do you decorate each one to look nice? And so we're kind of working on a system where basically we're creating boxes. We're going to spend a lot of money on it, but we're just going to make 
So, because we need it to be where the guys in the warehouse don't have to think about, oh, hey, I think this is going to look great here. And this <laughs> It's literally just going to be like, hey, where's the venue? Okay, here, there's a decor box for that venue and add it to the, <laughs> to the thing. And then, so you know, that's why I'm kind of like working on the cricket stuff yeah. because I'm trying to, I don't want to buy any of this. <laughs> yeah. Because like decor is expensive. Oh, like even oh, going to like 70%. And then there's not a lot of bar stuff when you go to like Michael's or to Hobby Lobby or anything like that. There's a lot of kitchen kind of decor, yeah. but there's never... Like, hey, alcohol. (laughs) Totally. You know, like what that no great story ever started with a salad. That's kind of like, I love that sign. (laughs) You're like, I'll take a dozen. Thank you. (laughs) Right. They don't have that. So it's like, now we're going to have to make them and everything. So that's kind of like our biggest, it's our biggest, it's like we do everything right. Like 95%, everything's solid, all this. And then, but the decor and the bar just looks like blah. It's like three bottle beer. And like 20 years later, it's still an issue. Right. You know, and so it was like, it's never, it's like, it's one thing you figure something out, then it's always something small. That's right. That, that makes you look like a total amateur every time. So that's our biggest struggle. It's like, you know, we've conquered all the big stuff, then all the little things. Oh, it's like amateur night, like every night. And then it's, it's like the most frustrating thing, but it's also the thing that keeps us always on our toes. And I think also if you get to the point where you no longer have the big stuff and you're now worried about what piece of decor is going in the bar, you've kind of made it. yeah but then man i tell you what it's like it's one of those things you know it's always like you got to be able to tackle the little things because that's the the thing that people that's what they see and nobody's impressed but we never want to say we never tell clients or venues like hey by the way sorry we don't have this you know we have 20 events tonight right absolutely nobody's impressed by that (laughs) no and so you can't that's you can't use your busyness as an excuse right you just almost have to say hey how do we just make it better like (laughs) what kind of system can we put in here yeah. so that this doesn't happen again? One of the concepts that I go over with my coaching clients when they get to kind of that overwhelm stage is the rule of three, automate, delegate, eliminate, yep. right? Like what are the things that you can, because a lot of the things and Don, I, you probably could make a very long list in the last 20 years of the things that you thought were super important. You spent time on, you effort on and nobody gave a shit. Yeah, like, those are the eliminate things, but we every day. Yeah. <laughs> like we, every, we think they're important and then nobody cares. <laughs> right. So, like, to be honest with you, right now, like our biggest thing is our cocktails, right? Look, I know how super important cocktails are to us. Mm-hmm. You know how we have to make it so good and so fresh and everything. But then, man, all the time you take to do it, and then at the end of the day, you know what? You know, I just did one. We just put one real quick. I'm not as intricate in making cocktails as Heather is. So mine is just almost very like, hey, what is it? What color does it need to be? <laughs> <You know? laughs> what, what are the bridesmaid's you know, dresses? Right, exactly. <laughs> For me, cocktail hour, a cocktail, like craft cocktails and signature cocktails is really all about just taking something that already tastes good and then giving it a better name, you know, putting it in a different glass and then putting it in a better garnish. Mm-hmm. different. And I was like, you can have a Cape Cod, call it something different, put it in a really sweet looking glass put some really cool stuff coming out of it and everybody's going to go flip out over it. Right. So that's how I like to do it. And because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's all about what they see, everything like that. But the Heather takes a lot more. And I just keep when we have this like back and forth all the time of like, you know what? They're not really going to care. <laughs> I was like, as much as we think they do. And then even, but then I also have my own things where I try to be really like picky about. And then everybody has to tell me like, hey, nobody's going to care about that. Because, you know, you think that your clients see this. <laughs> Or this is what you expect, but your client is happy with this. Right. A great example. And all that extra work is like 
Wasted. Wasted One of my favorite examples is when I first launched, I was all about the fresh juices because you and I know fresh Mm -hmm. lime juice, fresh squeezed lemon juice, fresh squeezed orange juice, way better. It's delicious. And I came from the restaurant scene where it's like local, organic. That's what you wanted, right. right? So that's what I launched with. And I, out of curiosity, at one point, I looked at my costs and I was like, dang, like I am really eating it here. So let me put on fresh squeezed juices as an upgrade to the main mixer package. And that way I can recoup some of that difference, right? Mm-hmm. Of the hundred events that I booked in the year that I did this AB test, do you know how many picked the fresh juices? Zero. Zero. Five. They don't care. They don't care. And so here I was like, signature cocktail. Yeah, I know. Listen, listeners, A B test your shit because Mm -hmm. you what you what's important to you and what you think is really, really like I will die on that hill. It may not be to your to your client. Well, no, because that's that's where we said we get all hung up on that instead of just trying to sell it. (laughs) And so I've always just told people, I was like, every time somebody talks to me about that, about like our cocktails, but there's like, look, I'm not here to try to impress other bartenders, I'm trying to impress my paying client. (laughs) And then if they're happy with it, then that's all I can say. It's like, look, I always talk about like McDonald's does not make the best burger. They, you know, there's a hundred burgers in the world better than McDonald's, right? Absolutely. But sure as hell, they sell more than anybody else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know why? They figured out how to put 16 year olds who've never worked a job before in their life to run this business. Right. <laughs> it's all, it's, and it's so, like I said, it's process, it's automation, it's training. And so that's what we just kind of need to get to. And it's like, and get not get hung up on freshness and flavor and everything. It's like, look, you want it to be good. Right. But it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Right. Because you go crazy trying to figure and then it out. People are like, oh, luxury. I want to be in that luxury market because those are the ones that pay. But we all know the celebrities are ordering McDonald's at like two in the morning. They're not above McDonald's either. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Even celebrity, you know what you would think they would, but like we've had some celebrity clients, but they want stuff for free all the time. Like none oh. of them have ever just gone up and just been like, oh, hey, you know who I am? I made millions of dollars. Give me whatever you have that's the most of. It's always you, like, no. You are 100% right. I remember yeah. there was a huge influencer that my main competitor here in Nashville had done an event for it. And they had been reaching out to me. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. So that then I'm like, well, like, what's your budget? Like, what are you looking for? And they basically were like, oh, no, that's not how this works. We will guarantee that she gives you a shout out on, on social media. Mm-hmm. But what are you willing to offer? And I was like, and we were two years in at this point and I was right. juggling a ton of events and I would have had to show some shit around. And I was like, yeah, that's not really, that, you know, that's not really how I make money. <laughs> and uh, shout out. Was, the bank doesn't take shout outs. Right, right. <laughs> but I have to say, if I hadn't worked in the Hamptons for four years, I probably would have been all over that. Only I happen to have experience with all of the celebrities that kind of roam around the Hamptons. Oh. And I know they're the cheapest out there. <laughs> yeah, cheapest. And then sometimes they're not even the ones putting it together. It's other people. They're just showing up, but then they're using right. whoever it is, influencers, uh, event planners, whatnot. They're the ones just basically using their name to get all this stuff for free. And then yeah, I see a lot of people jumping on stuff like that. It's like, I mean, we put our money into networking groups. Like that's our number one thing. It's like when we sponsor bars for all the big galas, Yes. You know, everything like that because we need to stay keep our name on top. It's like that's where our marketing dollars go. It's like yes. bridal shows. I know there's always a lot of talk on mobile bed pros. Let's about, talk about bridal okay, shows, Don, okay. because you oh, are the okay. king of bridal shows. 
And anytime anyone's like, should I do bridal shows? You know, are they worth the money? <laughs> I'm always like, I never thought so. But then I met right. Don and Don, he's a hustler at bridal shows and he doesn't give a crap about the brides. <laughs> no, no, it's like, you do, but you're doing it so wrong. So I'll tell you what. So like the first time, you know what, when you do a bridal show, you're always like trying to be that hustle guy. And they're like, hey, hey, you need this, you need this, you need this. And then I would work it just by myself or just have, you know, just try to save money because I've already spent like $800, $900 on this show. So I can't even, and then, but it never worked. And right. so what's really cool is the lady that runs the bridal show company here, she actually like, for all her bridal show people, she offers free classes on how to succeed in her shows. That's awesome. And so she tells you like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And I took that class twice. You know? <laughs> in case you missed something. Yeah. And then, you know, we just, there's like a bunch of us, four or five, seven of us just kind of sitting in a room in her office, just sitting on the floor and she's just talking like, this is how it works. And so finally we decide, all right, we're going to spend this much money already. Let's hire people to work it. And then let me have free time to network on the floor. I mean, because depending on how many people there are, look, I mean, here in Dallas, obviously it's a bigger market. So you can have anywhere from 200 to 300 different vendors. And it's a two day so two days. So all I do is literally just go around, stopping by, saying hi, doing little micro visits every time. And I walk that floor for two days straight. Now it's like, I don't stop by my booth. Oh, and then you kind of like, and then you can't look at it like, hey, is this one a good show? You have to go look at it for a whole year. So if there's four shows that charge you $800, like look at, you're spending $3,200. <laughs> That's your marketing budget. So you don't have to think about, oh, hey, this is going to be the good time to do it. It's like, because if we've seen it before, we missed a show once. And we saw a dip in our bookings, <laughs> you know, really? because yeah, just because you know what, like, cause when we go there, we work on, so my goal is to go over there and find new venues. And that's where new venues always end up. They're always looking for vendors. They're always looking for this. And I just, and my first question is always, Hey, do you have an open house coming up? You should really do one. Now I try to like give them some pointers, do this. And then finally it's like, Hey, if you'd like, I don't want to say, if you'd like, I would love to offer alcohol for your <laughs> And then they're like, yeah, please do. Because once you get into an open house, now you're in front of brides right there. Right. Book. So the money is in the, you're spending money on the bridal show, but it's a free open house. Right. <laughs> you know, you kind of wonder how you, people trying to cold call. It's like, man, cold calling does not work. I spent over a decade cold calling people and they don't answer. They don't, they don't give a crap. Oh, and then I did a, um, I also run a luncheon around here. And then we offered a bunch of like wedding venues chance to speak. And so we just asked them like, kind of like a panel and it's like, how do you feel about people just calling you? And they're like, no, don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially, because yeah, I just, if they're planning yeah. a wedding, right? Like imagine if you had a florist, uh, everybody, all the Everybody's vendors. coming <laughs> at you and they don't know who they are. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's a lot of, you know, this is such, I've always told people like, look, this is, I'm not in the wedding business. I'm not in the bar business. I'm not in like, you know, the alcohol business. And I mean, we're in the people business. Like this is, you know, we deal with people all the time. It's like, you know That's what? Right. People do business with people they like. So mine's always like, how do I get them to like me first? And then from there, how do I then push my business? Right. And then, so it's, um, so yeah, it just goes from there. And that's just the, and that's just our kind of like our trickle down. And then we also work on all the little, I don't want to say fringe, but the other vendors. Now you would think, hey, how does a photographer help me? Right. You know, how does how does these guys help me? It's like, you know what? They do a lot because anybody who's come in contact with brides, especially the first, call them between photographer, florist, cake venue. Those are the ones. And they're always asking, hey, who do you, I'm still missing this. A lot of vendors always try to 
push their friends. So yeah, so we just do that. Look, I go around to these things. I always give like vendors or just by themselves, I give them like bathroom breaks. <laughs> I kind of go there and go, hey, you know, you need to go to the restroom. Here, I'll sit here. You go, <laughs> go grab something to eat. You know, I love I'll, that. I'll, hand out, I'll hand out your cards, everything like that. And then they just look at me like, <sighs> seriously? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, bu- I yeah. love that. The, the two shows ago, I really was starving because even though I recommend it's literally in the MVP group. There's a bridal show success, like whatever, a, a resource for bridal shows. It says bring food because you never know if there's, I'm always hungry. It's always too long. It's always like during a meal period. Yeah. And I totally forgot to bring food two times ago. And worst. I'm like, I have got to eat something. And I ended up having to just leave my booth like unattended for a hot minute, which just flyers out, which to be fair, brides probably love. They probably love that they right. could just go and get one without me having to be like, hey, you right. planning a wedding? Like, obviously, they obviously, are. Right. I mean, that's, even for us, like before the whole thing was like, hey, you're looking for a bartender? Hey, you know, it's like we, we became like little hustlers on the street. Right. And so I'm like, you, need you know, like, the like spinning sign. Yeah. It's like, listen, you know, look, I'm from the Philippines. And every time you go like in the busy streets, everybody's always hustling. You know, like, hey, come in here to my store, this. So finally, you know what? We're just kind of just sitting, you know, we just say, hey, look, let them come to us. Don't be too... Our number one thing we learned too, don't give away samples. We do not give away samples at the, at the bridal show just because you'll have a long line of people that, you know what? Don't care. Aren't they gonna have anything. To... Nope. Yeah. Yeah, you'll end up spending more. Like, you know, I'd much rather have a line of just one person who's interested than a hundred that's there for the drinks. Absolutely. So we don't, yeah, so we don't mess with that. And then, but yeah, you take it, it as an opportunity to network, which... Network. It, like yep. that is... A hundred percent. And and one of the tips that I give people in the membership uh, resource is if you want to like really dazzle, go to Costco, get some freaking snack bars. And then just before the show, when everyone's like at their just booth waiting, just go and like hand people like some, some snacks because you know, they're going to be starving because yeah. nobody else brought food either. And that's, and that's a way to just come in and just be nice right. human being. And then also the one thing too, is like get there before don't, you know, like I get there beforehand, just kind of see who I want to talk to. And then afterwards, don't catch them. And then I'm really good at breaking off, talking to them, doing this. And as soon as a client, as soon as a potential client comes up, I'm just, I know how Gone. to break it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> sit there take the time. And I'm like, okay. Awkwardly <laughs> waiting on the side, being like, I'll wait. Right. Then they hate you. <laughs> right. Cause it's a weird di- not dynamic at that point. For sure. Yeah. But then, yeah, but they want somebody to talk to. And you always want to just offer kind of like value. It's like my one story about the bridal show, which is, like this is why this is so important to us is we do networking outside. Thank God, like here in Dallas, Fort Worth, there's so many networking opportunities just outside of bridal shows, right? Uh, different groups. And then there's this little group that we run here or just run here in Fort Worth it's called uh, Thursday Therapy. And it's just um, an evening. It's a free thing. Nobody has to join. And, um, you know, we provided alcohol for it. And there's a lady that I met. She was a caterer. We exchanged numbers. We tried to meet, meet up for lunch sometime. It didn't really work out. And so, but we still kept in contact. And then eight months later at the January bridal show, I'm walking around and then now she's not with the caterer anymore. She's with the venue. Okay. And then she saw me and then she was like, Hey, I've been wanting to talk to you. We need a, we need an exclusive uh, bartending for our new venue. And then this venue turned out to be like a 450 person big deal. And then we got it to a point where we were able to put our liquor license on the premise. And so another liquor license. And that thing became like six figure contract, mid six figures for like a year. I mean, they were, they were, it was incredible. And it was all from 
one networking thing and one bridal show. And it's like, and then for us, it's like, look, that thing is paid for the next 10 years of bridal shows. Absolutely. You know? And so, and then, um, and then the thing is too, it's like, then we lost that account, like just this past year because they decided to do their alcohol in-house. Right. Because they saw how they much saw money all the money. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you almost can't stop. So you can't get too comfortable. Right. I mean, that was my big lesson in 2004. Whenever I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I was like, oh, I have all these exclusive contracts. And the next thing you know, gone. Right. One way or another. And then start all over again. And then 2013 had big ones, gone. So now it's like, we're always looking for the next big one. But then at the same time, always looking. Like, don't be happy with what you have. Because so that's why right. I'm kind of, yeah. So that's my job here in the company, just kind of keeping our ears open and see who was out there, drop by. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you focus and, on hospitality, meaning like everyone that you come in contact with, you are trying to add value, you're hospitable, you are you, then you'll stick in their mind and you'll never, they never even know. They like, they just like, Oh, that's Don with HD catering. He's amazing. I don't have a need for him right now, but then they may three years from now be in a position where suddenly they're like, Hmm, I need a bartender or I need an exclusive contract or whatever. And they know they can trust you. You've built yourself a reputation. You're always around. So you're always front of mind. Right. That's our number one thing. You know, it's like, we can't, it's like, we can't anything that they pretty much people, anything they ask us to do, we kind of do it like style shoots. I mean, we will jump on them in a heartbeat. Style shoots, I'll tell you what, that's the best free networking oh, you yeah. can do. And to talk and to top it off, it's the best way to get to know vendors on a really personal level because first of all, I hate style shoots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the planners that put them together because they're never on time. It's never what they want. I hate photographers. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm always like in a bad mood. It's like, why do they want me to do this? But then at the end of it, you know, throughout the whole time, like everybody's mad at the situation, right? So that you have this one common theme. And it's always hot. About. Is it just me or is it always like stupid hot? It's always hot. <laughs> and then they ask you for stupid stuff. Like, hey, can you do popsicles in the cocktail? And then right. they'll tell you, okay, hey, we're ready to shoot it. And then finally, like... Then, it's like, dead in minutes, the glass. <laughs> 35 minutes later. So we're like, I hate you. <laughs> they tell us, hey, here's our theme. This is what you need to do. It's like, hey, bring this, right? So we've learned and then we'll bring one. And they're like, well, we need one for the whole tablescape. And I, you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, I didn't know I needed 12 to fit this big ass table. <laughs> you just told me to bring, oh, hey, bring some nice tropical looking cocktails. And right. so now we've learned what to ask. It's like, what are you shooting it for? What is it, this, this? But then the whole time we're hanging out, we're just talking to rental people, we're just having a good time throughout the whole thing. And now I bring cocktails just for us. Right. You know? So then... Because everyone needs one. Everybody needs one. <laughs> so it's just a good way that, like I said, all this free marketing, just to get to know people just on a personal level, that's how we win. But because our competitors don't put that kind of effort into it. And so they think yeah. they're doing the stuff that they... Like I said, they're watching us. They're doing all the stuff that they think they should be doing. But, but a lot of people don't have that. They're not doing that extra stuff. Right. And even if they were, I'm a big believer of authentic voice. Whereas even if someone else is doing the exact same thing you are, they're not you. They're not. That's exactly what I says. Like, you know, that's what I always tell. It's like sometimes when the staff and the sales staff gets kind of worried and then, hey, we lost this, we lost this. Like, look, we're always going to, for everyone that closes, there's always going to be a new one that opens. And also like, you know, the one thing they don't have is me. They don't have me. They don't, I don't need to say that. It's like, they don't have me. They don't have like our team, you know, it's like, they don't have. Right. Like, you know, you can replicate. It's like, look, I always tell people, like, monkeys can do what we do. 
Seriously, you can train dogs. <laughs> Maybe not dogs, monkeys oh, yeah. for oh, sure. Monkeys, okay, monkeys, <laughs> machines, especially. You know what? Like, a, a they're literally or... the cocktail machine out yes, there. Yes, exactly. So, what is it that makes people decide to go with us or go with you more than anything else? Like, look, mm-hmm. especially now, you've seen this. Everybody's trailer is beautiful. Everybody's this. Like, you know, there gets to a point where where's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference between this trailer and that trailer? It's like, and they don't really care that, oh, this one doesn't have a tap system and this one does this, this like. Right. No, this one's white. This one's black. This one's 2,500. This one's 2,400. Who cares, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to pick my competitor over me for a hundred extra dollars, you can have them. (laughs) That's that's what we're, I know we always, like we always say that too, but then also at the same time, it's like, then I always think, but what could we have done? It was like, what was it about? You know, it wasn't just price. You know, it like, wasn't the hundred bucks. I'll tell you that. What was it about what we did and how we approached things that decided how did it? Well, how was it that we made them feel too? I mean, because yes. that was a bit. That's our big thing too. With going back to bridal shows, I stopped talking to girls actually because you know when I as men, yeah. you know, we kind of talk to brides and stuff. It's like from a more like analytical kind of like more logical approach. Not to say that women aren't logical. Just saying is like, look, this, we all come from it from here. That's a safe zone. The logic zone for a male to approach a exactly. female. Like it's safe to but, talk about logic. Right. So, you know, the, the thing, my logic that never says like, why are we spending so much money on flowers? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why can't we, <laughs> you know, it's like, I've always wanted to just go like, hey, H.E. Liquid Catering, hashtag can't drink flowers, you know? <laughs> No, but then I don't want my florist yes. friends to hate me. So I just you know, so we always just like, especially when we approach it, like we always have to be like, hey, talk to them from like here, you know, it's like you have to. So that's why we, we paint a picture. We don't ever put pricing down. You know, it's like when, because that's the first question everybody always asks. Like, hey, how much do you call, how much do you charge? Right. Almost like the next question is always, well, what do you want? Yeah. You know, what are you looking for? <laughs> talk to me about this. So yeah. then they kind of start painting the picture for you. And then when you send them the proposal to kind of match the picture that they, then it doesn't look as bad. It doesn't hurt as much because if they'd say, they go, how much do you charge? Like, well, we start off at $25 per person or whatever for that. Then they're going to be like, no, you know, right. it's like, you're too much. I'm going to go to this guy. So that's why we never, we never start with price. We never, you know, it's like anytime we always make fun. Like anytime any of our competitors talk about budget or this, this, and this, like, look, we've already won. Terms oh of my gosh. That's their, that's that's their the number one thing. thing. That's yeah, the first like, thing I removed from my contact form when I first launched. It had budget. And yeah. that was the first thing I removed because it didn't, it didn't matter. I was going to get back to you anyways, whether right. or not, even if I was double your budget, I was going to try and make that sale anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then also, like I said, unless you know what they actually want, like I said, then you, you don't really know how much you can't put a price on it. Right. You know, and then they even certainly, you know, it's like, well, you know, and if they, we have to put us in the corner. It's like, well, you can, you can, it's anywhere from $200 to, to $4,000 or $6,000 for normal. Just tell me what you want. I can't tell you, you know, it's the same thing for your dress. <laughs> no, you totally. can't just ask. It's like, you can't just ask, hey, how much is that dress? Like, well, what do you want? You know, how much we, is a wedding dress? Right. Like, what dress do you want? <laughs> <laughs> where are you getting it? You know, it's like, what, you know, it's like, you can go from free to like six figures. So I tell them like, look, so this is what this is. So until you get more specific with me and tell me exactly what you're looking for and how you want it done, then I can get closer to, to that. So that's what kind of makes grabbing people a lot more rather than here's our price list. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> right. And of course we have one. Like oh we yeah. Could, we could definitely, I mean, I literally have all of my pricing on Bar Magnolia's website now. It's right. It's, like mm-hmm. you can build your own package and it gives you a quote right there because it's easy. And 
obviously I know what I'm going to charge for what, but when I can get you like face to face with the bridal show or something like that, then like we're going to sell the experience, the emotion way more than we are just the transaction. Right. And I also understand coming from your perspective that you have to put the pricing on there just because like, like you're doing it by yourself at the beginning or right right now. Yeah. We've had the luxury, you know, we had before COVID, we had like four full-time salespeople, you know, so they're at, you know, they're answering all the phone calls doing all that. And then we've kind of also we split them up into venues. So we had like so many venues that, okay, like this salesperson is in charge of all the events, <laughs> the right. these, 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 and these. So we can really, because you have continuity, you have, so they're not asking the same questions or they know exactly what questions to ask and they know how to, right. the, the venue works. Right. You know? And then, so going back to kind of what we were talking about before, I was like, I know I sent you the thing and then it sounds like, it sounds like a big number, but it's like, so we sh- we did about a thousand events last year. That's amazing. Okay. Right. And then, so, but when you talk about how to find them, you know what, this is where it all go- ties back into the bridal shows, right? For us, instead of going out there and finding the thousand brides, and then to, to actually close a thousand brides, you'd actually have to send proposals to 4,000 brides. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? To, to, to have a closing rate of 25%. Right. You know, and if you're good, you know what, 50%. So you'd have to just send out 2,000. We don't want to do that. So our goal has always been, look at how many events you want to do and then find how many. So if we want to do a thousand events, then we go find 50 venues, right? And then yep. do 20 events a year out of each one of those. And then that's it. I don't want to say that it, it sounds simple, but it's literally, that's how we start off. Like, hey, we're going to do... It's a strategy. It's what you... What, yeah, so that's it. Not so everybody's strategy off. needs to be the same, but that... That's no, but that's how we, we got to it, right? So it started off with like this event and you know, this venue, right? So it started off before 10, 10, and 10. Yeah. Find 10 venues. And then th- that was our A list. And then our B list was find 10 caterers that were going to work with us and then find 10 event planners. Yeah. So out of those, you know what? And then see how many of them and what can you get out of each one. Right. And then just keep adding to it and adding to it. You know, and some will drop off, some will retire, some will go out of business. Totally. So that's why your always job is always fishing, you know? It's like it doesn't <laughs> always fishing. So that's kind of... Of those three, I uh-huh. found venues to be A-list. Yeah, absolutely. And event planners to be B-list. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I feel like no, 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 no. venues want someone who's going to take care of their space, that they're yes. reliable, that they, you know, represent their venue well, that they know like they're not going to get them so drunk. They're going to start smashing windows. But then there's the event planners that also want to, you make them look good. They know that if they hire you, you're going to be on point, that they're easy to work with, that they enjoy that experience. Caterers, I'm, and maybe this is just the Nashville market, but I have exactly one caterer that I really enjoy working with mm-hmm. that they'll like reach out to us if they have like just 1099 bartenders and like this couple wants more than what we can provide or that what we're interested in providing in the way of bartending. And they're amazing. They do amazing food. Everyone else, I feel like we come in and like, oh, Bar Magnolia took the bar business. Do you have that experience? In yeah, Dallas? they hate us. Yeah, they right? hate us. <laughs> Caterers hate us. Yeah, but at the same time, you know what? They also respect us. Because like, totally. you know, that's our... It's like whenever we come in, like, there's like five huge catering companies here. So they actually are the ones we look at as our competitors. Okay, I don't look at the other bartending companies as our competitors because we're doing, we're doing stuff like next level stuff that the caterers are doing. You know? So we're going after their clients <laughs> because they're, they're, their clients are the more big 
money clients. And so anytime we can get into a venue and the venue says, hey, look, it's great that you do this, but HD is going to be one doing. We're the ones because like you hit it right on the nose. Like we push to the venues that, hey, we're here to take care of you. We're here to, we're here to represent you. You know, because the venues think to the venue, like anytime anything goes wrong, the client never thinks about or the guests never think about, hey, it's HD or it's this, this, and this. They always think, hey, that's the venue. The food's bad, even though the venue doesn't serve food. They're going to think that the venue is the one that created the food. Right. <laughs> it's like in everything like that. And so it's kind of fun because I'll walk into a meeting and then the caterer's there and they'll see me walk in and they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. and really you know it's like again i come from the restaurant industry and so back of the house front of the house has always had this lovely tug of war and so the chef obviously and then the bartender right so like we've always been teams as a a restaurant so like i come in and i'm like hey chef maybe we should like build the menu together but then it's like we wanted that business like we wanted the, the bar business, but it's such a small portion of what they do. Like they're literally just 1099ing some people that can mix and pour, right? right. That, that's, that's their thing, the pour and the mix. And people are going to think we are part of them. So you'd think they'd light up and like, oh, because most no, times it's no. caterer and bartenders, but so no. I'll tell you one thing. So the one, th- the one like, insight I got from the caterers around here is that the reason why they want the bar is because that's the thing that they discount the most. Because if they're getting $35, $40 per person on the... So they use the, they use the bar as a sweetener to get the deal. <laughs> you, uh, you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, wow. they don't care. Like, yeah, the, the, the beer is like, you know what? Because you can do beer at this price, this price. And I was like, look, you're paying 98 cents for a Bud Light. You know what? So even if you break even on the bar, right. they, won the, they won the catering. The food, yeah. Right. So that's, what, that's how they all treat it here. But that's also why the, cater, the venues hate caterers doing it. Sometimes because they don't treat the bar the same way we do. If they don't, because yeah. it's not a guarantee every time. No, it's so it's a throwaway for them. It's that's a, a throwaway, and that's how they treat it. And so, caterers, Correct. if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, if you are, and you really want to do yourselves a favor, stop treating the bar like a like a throwaway. Because people are drinking all night; they're only eating for a hot fucking it, hour. Look, we're there. Like we're the first. <laughs> we're the first ones they're looking for, and then we're the last ones that they touch. I mean, it's, right. it's horrible. You know what I'm saying? It's like in terms of like the caterers. You know, that's what we said. To get the bartenders, they're not. But so I use that against some, or I use that in our advantage a little bit. So I go after caterers that don't have liquor licenses but are pretty big, and then I yeah. talk to them. Say, hey, you should work with me. You know, because what's happening is you're losing business to X caterer. You know, like right. one of the, the big five. So how about we work together? You know what? It's like sell my, I tell them to sell my services as theirs. Yeah. You know, so you white label. Yeah. White mm-hmm. label it. You no, know, it's like, I don't care how much you send, you, but here's my bottom line. This is all you need to give me. You know, it's like, look, the venue already trusts us. Right. So go out there and compete with these guys instead of saying, well, no, we don't do alcohol. Then they're going to go to the next one. Right. Because right. Like right now, especially now we're finding out more people, everybody's, I hate one-stop shops. Okay. But people are starting to look for that. <laughs> yeah. Now. You know, anytime you could be a convenient because it's also a service more than anything is if you can help them like, hey, there's one less thing you have to do. Which was kind of, I mean, at least for Bar Magnolia, that's kind of like literally our mission to make great event bars easy. We're a one-stop shop. Like we'll handle as much or as little of the beverages as you want, right? And so that's because we know brides are already overwhelmed. Event planners overwhelmed with all the planning and they know if they hire Bar Magnolia, 
that's one thing they don't have to worry about is the right. bar. They don't have to lug around alcohol. They don't have to worry about whether the bartender is going to show up smelling like smoke or half drunk. Like they don't have to worry about that. And so one-stop shops, if done correctly, are very attractive. Very. Works against us a little bit. Uh, unless you can get in as the bar side of that one-stop shop. Yeah. So that's all we're doing. And so, you know, and then the next thing that we're trying to figure out now is like, you know, how do we... And I'm going to stop him right there. If you want to hear what Don is working on next in his business, you'll have to tune in next week for the remaining 45 minutes of this epic interview. There's some really great stuff here. You will not want to miss it. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.